listening to the house of mercy on the water's edge was a man who met the savior so the gospel said waiting there he was with the lepers and the lame till an angel it was told down from heaven came folks tuned in from all around near and far just to listen to house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir we're just listening to the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Uh, you know, Leonard Cohen. Always oh, yeah. That one. yeah. Hey, everyone. It is, you know what it is? It is the start of the new church year. It is the first Sunday of Advent. And welcome to the House of Mercy podcast on this. I don't know. I, I hope it's the beginning of a. I hope it's the beginning of a beautiful new year. You know, I think that's what it's all about. I think it is all about the hope of a new beginning. You know, yeah, that's yeah, what the, yeah. that's what Advent's all about. And we've been this uh, Advent kind of going with this theme, waiting for the world to begin again. It's a good thing to be waiting for. Because it seems like we a lot of people who spent the last year talking about the coming of the end of the world. Felt like the coming of the end of the world. Yeah, so we are waiting maybe, you know, not for the world to come to an end, but to come to a new beginning. Waiting for the world to begin again. Yeah, our Advent theme. Yeah, Speaking of our Advent, Advent theme, uh, we are we got some things we're doing for Advent. That's a time when in you know the church year we do a little extra what study reflection. One thing we're doing is we are starting. This is for me the first time ever a one of the book study that we're using the Zoom, and we are reading uh, pandemic. COVID-19 Shakes the World by Zizek. And it's just uh, it's a short book. And uh, anybody, please join us. All the information you need to join, it's this starting this Tuesday, 7 o'clock, and it will be every Tuesday in Advent. And uh, yeah, what you read the uh, first two chapters, and uh, we'll get talking about it on Tuesday. Also, for the Zoom information, it's all going to come out in the newsletter. You've probably seen it in the past. It'll come out today. Uh, and if you don't get the newsletter, go to the website, and you can sign up for it. So, you know, I, um, I ordered that book a little bit late, and I'm not sure I'll have the first two chapters read. Can I, should I come anyway? I think I would rather you didn't. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm just kidding. Of course. Of course, yeah. We'll just come, you know. It's, uh, yeah, of course. 
if you didn't get it and you haven't got all anything read, please come the conversation too. I mean, you'll still be able to discuss the ideas that uh, we're finding here. I thought that might be the case. Yeah, no, yeah. so that's good. We'd just rather have you come in here. Are you literally going to be part of it, Debbie? Well, actually, I'm not committing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Excellent. I think I was like, but this. Was that was more like I kind of like it was you, you were communicating through a bit of a skit. yeah. But it also is true that I did order the book and I I, have, I want to come. All right. I just don't want to commit. Sure, sure, that's okay. You you, you know you don't have to. Yeah. Um, I want to read it. So, sure. Yeah. All right. Um, but I know one thing I'm going to do is listen to the podcast that's coming out on Thursday. I will even commit to that. Okay. Yeah. Every Thursday we're posting. Every uh, Thursday in Advent we're posting. Uh, waiting for the world to begin again advent podcast we've asked some folks in our community local writers musicians uh to reflect on the idea of waiting for the world to begin again and so um yeah that'll be coming coming out this thursday yeah so something to look forward to during the four weeks of advent and then what on december 20th there's a Christmas pageant. We are having a Christmas pageant. It's a Zoom Christmas pageant. It's going to be spectacular. Um, it's going to be a new experience. It really will. Uh, anybody who wants to participate can. Um, just uh, you'll the newsletter is going to come out where you can uh, grab your part. Coming up soon, so think about it. Uh, yeah, we'll send you the script. You know, costumes, gotta, right? Oh, you got to have a costume. That's you know for the Zoom. Yeah, any kind of work bathrobe, you know, or if you want to go real authentic, um, a linen bathrobe. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I thought I thought towels. Were towels the is that towel? Oh, towels, right? Yeah, because isn't it? You know, isn't the uh, the Christmas pageant in church traditionally known as sort of like a bathrobe play? Yeah. Yeah, something right. like that. <laughs> but yeah, towel on the head. Anyway, um, yeah. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, as we begin the season of Advent, where we are conscious of waiting, watching, staying alert, we pray we'll be able to access some sense of that that doesn't involve excess anxiety. We've had plenty of that. But rather, honest, clear-eyed hope or the capacity to trust in goodness, love, you, something beautiful and true. Not that there won't be pain and brokenness. We know there will be that. But we pray for the freedom to anticipate without dread as we begin this new year. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Let's share a sign of peace.
Please join me in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer petition with God in your mercy. And I invite you to respond here our prayer. God of mercy, thank you that the moon and sun still shine and the stars aren't falling from the sky. We are grateful for this. We pray for many more days in the life of this planet, for trees that can keep growing, ancient redwoods, young little white pines. We pray for continued life for the vast diversity of species that make life possible, even if we barely notice the array. We pray that we will be more and more aware of what is around us, what we depend on, what is not us, but utterly vital to this interdependent life. As we begin this new year, we pray for the renewal of the earth and its creatures. God, in your mercy. God, in mercy, as we brace ourselves as a church for more months of the pandemic, help us find more inventive ways to keep doing what we do to keep being a community gathered around the anticipation of mercy, the promise of love. Help us remember to care for each other in tangible ways and encourage each other in faith, even amidst our wariness, skepticism, and our welcome freedom to question. Help us not forget what it is to be a church or to learn things that we haven't yet discovered. We pray for House of Mercy and churches all over the world. God in your mercy. God in mercy, some of us miss our loved ones in these holiday times, more acutely than other times. Because they're far away, because we're isolating, or because they have died. Give us moments of respite from loneliness, glimpses of connection that can make us feel the warmth of relationship. And even in the midst of sadness, help us take some comfort in the bonds of love. God, in your mercy. We pray for those who need physical, emotional, spiritual healing. There are a lot of us. We are grateful for the mercy drops falling, but for the showers we plead. God, in your mercy. As we pause for silence now, hear our prayers, our gratitude, and our confessions. Thank you for mercy and help us keep finding it. Amen. The gospel reading for today is from the book of Mark, chapter 13, 
verses 24 through 37. In those days, after that time of distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars will be falling from the heavens, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then will be seen the child of humanity coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send the angels and gather his people from the four winds, from one end of the world to the other. Learn the lesson taught by the fig tree. As soon as its branches are full of sap and it is bursting into leaf, you know that summer is near. And so may you, as soon as you see these things happening, know that he is at your door. I tell you that even the present generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. The heaven and the earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor yet the child, but only the father. See that you are on the watch, for you do not know when the time will be. It is like a man going on a journey who leaves his home, puts his slaves in charge, each having his and her special duty, and orders the porter to watch. Therefore watch, for you cannot be sure when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, at daybreak, or in the morning. Otherwise, he might come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch the word of the Lord. Smudge was saying something, but it was my turn to order next. He was standing about seven feet away, not in line, facing the heart of the mall. What? He said whatever it was again. The tween in front of me was getting her the change and her thanks and have a nice day. He almost yelled now, you know what I'm talking about? No, I didn't know what he was talking about. He's practically out of the food court. I am in line. In mere seconds, I will be greeted and asked for my order, and he is not even turning his head to face me when he talks. He just sort of turns his head a little bit uh, to the side and throws whatever it is. He seems to want to communicate to me over his shoulder. I don't catch it. I can't hear him. I am just about to yell, come over here and talk to me if you want to talk to me. Turn around and look at me if you want to talk to me. It is a proven method, but he doesn't take his eyes off whatever it is he's looking at and just keeps throwing comments over his shoulder. Hi, may I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a fajita burrito and the veggie tacos and you know what I mean? flies towards me a little more emphatic. Now I turn my head and yell, I can't hear you, I'm ordering. The high school freshman behind the counter just sort of pauses, smiling at me, eyes full of vacant patience, like you would do if you were talking to a crazy person. Sorry, and an order of chips and salsa with guacamole and water and um, a Diet Coke. I pay and vacant patient freshman puts my order on a tray and slides it across the counter to to me. I pick up the tray and carry it 
tentatively, carefully, because it is super crowded in the food court like everywhere, and I am observing as I look down at the tray that the engineering is way off here. I have this super light tray, the food in the middle of it, and then this gigantic Diet Coke in the upper left-hand corner. It must be a full two pounds of soda, and it is narrower at the bottom than it is at the top. It is also 13 inches tall. How am I not going to spill this? It's off-center. The cup is out of balance. There are people bumping into me. This is the kind of mundane tension that occupies too much of my life. I finally inch my way gingerly to where Smudge is standing. He looks at me quizzically, then looks down at the tray. That's a lot of soda. I know, I didn't know it was going to be, I'm, I'm thirsty. Let's go sit over there, he says, pointing to a bench. Oversized potted palms, island outside of the food court at the edge of the mall atrium. I follow him. Smudge is my little brother, not like my real little brother. When I was in college and on the Peace and Justice Committee protesting against the World Bank and circulating petitions against U.S. involvement in some place or another, I had this sort of what passed for an epiphany. I should be helping my neighbor, like real people, right where I lived. So I signed up for the Big Brother program. They sent me an envelope with Smudge's name and address and a little bit about him. He was eight. He lived with his aunt. I was excited and full of a feeling of doing more of the right thing than the other people I know, uh, kind of a thing. And I remember getting in my car and I put in some hip-hop, you know, to make him feel more comfortable. Um, I took out the envelope and read it over again. Sean Williams goes by Smudge. All right, I thought, Smudge, here comes your big brother. And then I looked more closely at the address and it was in Blaine. Blaine? They need big brothers in Blaine? It wasn't really what I had in mind. I turned off the hip-hop and drove to the address. It was an apartment building between a strip mall and a trailer park. I met his mom, and she made him show me his room, and then I took him bowling. He was kind of shy or scared, not really that friendly, and not overwhelmed with the opportunity to have a big brother. I didn't really know what to say to him. A couple weeks later, I brought him to my apartment for pizza and to watch a movie, and then I never called him again after that. It was one of those things that when even I remember it, whenever I remember it, I felt bad. So about a month ago, I was at the Super Target on University trying to pick out some socks that wouldn't make my feet sweat when someone kind of calls out to me from behind. Hey, big brother. I turn around, and there is this guy, like late 20s, and he sticks out his hand and says, Come on, you remember me? It's Smudge. I don't think even if the eight-year-old Smudge had come up to me in Super Target, that would, I would have remembered what he looked like. But he remembered me. He said, What's up? What's your life like? You want to go get a coffee? So we went to Starbucks in Super Target, and he told me about his life, that he was living in Frogtown with some friends, working for the city, planting trees and plowing snow and stuff. And I told him that I always felt guilty that I had been such a bad big brother. He said, don't worry about it. 
I remember it was fun. It's the only time I ever went bowling in my life. No, I said, that was bad. I should have at least called you and told you that I wasn't going to call you or something. Do one last thing or something. Let's do this, Smudge said. Let's do one last thing, like a big brother, little brother kind of thing. So we exchanged numbers and emails and talked or texted like every day since then. Then on Thanksgiving, he called me and he said, you know what I want to do for our last big brother thing? No. Let's go to the mall. You know, it's Christmas and all. Sure, I said. Can you go tomorrow? Tomorrow? Smudge, it's like the busiest shopping day of the year, Black Friday and everything. I know, he said. That's what makes it fun. So we're sitting on the bench at the oversized potted plant island at the edge of the atrium, and Smudge is just looking, looking down the whole length of the mall. People in bad moods and fake good moods elbowing their way in and out of stores, cell phones and hair extensions and Crocs kiosks all the way to the Santa photo op place at the end. You know what's messed up, he says? What's messed up? These monkeys. What? I saw this documentary where, well, see, at first they did this experiment where they would take a baby monkey just born and put it in a cage with, like, just a piece of soft cloth that was kind of warm somehow, and the baby monkey would, like, snuggle up to it like he thought it was its mother. And then they would do all kinds of things to scare the little monkey, and it would always run to the warm cloth for protection. And then they put the little monkey and the cloth in a cage with other monkeys and its real mom, and the little monkey stuck with the cloth. It would play with the other monkeys and stuff, but it would always go back to that cloth. But that's not the real messed up thing, Smudge said as he grabbed another one of his tacos off the tray. Uh, This tray that I had precariously balanced on my knee, seemingly oblivious to the engineering problem. The real messed up thing is that then they did this other experiment with a just newborn baby monkey. It was like the same thing with the warm cloth, but the baby monkey was snuggling up to the cloth and then these metal spikes would suddenly just shoot out of the cloth. At first the baby monkey screams and runs to the other side of the cage like really freaked out, but the spikes retract and eventually the baby monkey goes back and cuddles up with the cloth mom. Then, boom, the spikes come out again. Baby jumps off, comes back, boom, spikes again. This keeps happening, and these spikes are, like, sharp. And you can see where the spikes got the little baby monkey. There's, like, there's blood and wounds and stuff. Well, eventually, when the spikes come out, the baby monkey doesn't even jump off or scream or anything. He just sort of adjusts himself and pulls himself off the spikes where they got him and kind of licks at his wounds and sort of stops the bleeding and then snuggles back up. Smudge says all this not looking at me, still staring out at the mall uh, scene, taking in everything as he talks. Isn't that messed up? Yeah, I say, that is messed up. Liberals have a hard time with the apocalypse. All this end of the world coming with horror and terror, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and the heavens and the earth crumbling and quaking. When this happens, you know the Son of Man is coming and you know that the kingdom of God is near. So watch, 
look for the Son of Man when these things are happening. I think the problem is this. First, we don't want God, we don't want a God that is going to like destroy everything. We don't want a God coming in wrath and fire and like, how is that good news, really? That's bad news, super bad news. And secondly, all that apocalyptic stuff that we're supposed to look out for, it's happening all the time, forever. It's always happening. There are always things going on, wars, and the heavens and earth are crumbling, and the ozone and global warming, and the polar ice caps melting, and people starving, and hurricanes, and starvation, bombs going off. You don't really have to keep a sharp eye out for that. You barely have to read the newspaper or it probably just pops up on your homepage when you go online. But I think that Jesus' point with all this apocalyptic pronouncement is he is not saying God is going to do these things, cause these catastrophes to usher in the return of the Messiah. Jesus says, look at the trees. When they groan and begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. The leaves of a tree growing is not like a Jerry Bruckheimer explosion, end-of-the-world catastrophe. It's like a slow, simple thing that happens, that is always happening, that is easy to miss, until one day you step out of your house and it hits you. The trees have green on them, and you think like it happened overnight. The tree was always there, growing, budding, flowering, dying. Jesus goes on to say, don't be weighed down by drunkenness, dissipation, the worries of this life, by the mundane catastrophes. Those things are supposed to be shocking, but in reality are commonplace, so common that that is all we see. But there's something more going on in the midst of the violence and financial collapse and vacuous buying and wanting and needing. If we stare, in, if we stare into it, we can see a crack, a fissure, the tiniest bit of green, grace and goodness and beauty in the face of the angriest person spouting the most offensive rhetoric. Do not be lulled by the mundane tensions of this life. Look, watch for what is coming and is already near. I can't believe that baby monkey would just accept those spikes, Smudge said, still looking out at the mall. I took the last sip of my Diet Coke. I mean, if that monkey, like, could see out of his cage, even just, like, through a crack, just a little crack, like, could see out of the cage, maybe into another cage where a real monkey mom was, cuddling another monkey baby or if it could see out of the window, or even a little bit, and could maybe then see the sun, or a squirrel running around, playing, getting nuts and stuff. If that baby monkey could see anything, I don't think he would stick with the spikes. At least I hope not. Smudge didn't say anything for a while. Just kept staring out at the mall, at the people, the whole cacophonous consumption. Finally, I ask him, what are, you do what are you doing? For the first time, he turned to me. I'm looking for cracks, he said. This is God's 
table and all are welcome. On the night he was delivered over to death, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Will angels greet with anthem sweet while shepherds watch our the world anticipating the presence of God, confident in the love of Christ, waiting for the world to begin again. Go in peace. Amen. <laughs>